All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Kurt Cabana, and welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit for Purpose. Uh, thank you to everybody that's listening here live today and those of you that are listening to this on the recording. This week, we're going to be discussing work ethic along with leadership and just kind of standards. For those that don't know, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and coaches together in this kind of community environment, just like this, to encourage our goals and aspirations. By helping provide the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us and the greatest minds with us, the people around us will receive the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. This week, we're joined by Jeff Moyer. Jeff is someone that I'm really interested to learn more about. And, and his philosophies on what he's learned having been in so many high-level environments of competition. Division two, freshman of the year of the NCCA, um, back to JUCO, crushed it there, transfers to Florida, College World Series experience two years in a row, Southeastern University GA, Georgia, uh, Georgia Gwinnett is, uh, for four years as an assistant coach, College World experience twice there, now Reinhardt University assistant coach and recruiting coordinator, Jeff Moyer. Jeff, man, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, Kirk, I appreciate you having me. Um, I always enjoy sharing about, you know, my journey through baseball and just, you know, one of many, many ways of getting to where we got to or where we're at right now. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, share a little bit about my journey through baseball. I love it. And I love it. Well, Jeff, you, you've, you've played and coached in some awesome programs, you know, where standards of excellence are high for everybody involved. What did having a high work ethic and desire for being your best, you know, when did that happen to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me, you know, I've got a unique, you know, playing and coaching experience. I've played or coached at every level of, of baseball, except for the division three level. And, you know, I think with that, you know, I've had the opportunity to be in some really, really good programs. I know you mentioned, you know, Palm Beach Atlantic was my first stop as a freshman and then Santa Fe with Johnny Wiggs, who, um, you know, was one of the most winningest head coaches in junior college baseball, um, in the state of Florida. And then, you know, I got to play under Kevin O'Sullivan for two years, who's now the winningest coach in Florida history. They finally got over the hump in 2017, but, you know, for me, I think the work ethic really began for me, when I was probably, uh, I'd say a senior in high school, um, I played on the Orlando Scorpions. It was one of the best travel programs in the state of Florida, still is. Um, you know, I was batting in the three hole on one of the, the best teams in the country. And I was watching everybody around me commit to these big division one programs, Florida, Florida State, Arkansas, everyone was going somewhere. We had um, Nick Franklin was drafted that year. We had a lot of draft picks um, on that team um, and a lot of future big leaguers after that. But, you know, for me, um, you know, God had a different plan for my life as far as how I was going to get to where I got to. And, you know, I think along the way, you know, I, I watched those guys commit and it, it really instilled in me that, you know, maybe they're bigger, faster, stronger right now, but that doesn't mean I can't get there. So I really started working hard my my senior year of high school, just to kind of prove other people wrong. Um, you know, I got an opportunity to play at Palm Beach Atlantic um, for head coach Rob Avila at the time. Um, I had a great year, like you mentioned. Um, you know, I just, I felt like I wanted something more out of my baseball experience. And, um, you know, there I had to, I had to beat out two upperclassmen um, to play on the left side of the infield as a freshman, um, ended up leading the team in home runs and earning a starting spot. I think I started all 40 something games that we played, but, um, you know, that work ethic translated into my junior college year where I kind of took a risk. And, you know, if you don't have a good year at the junior college level, you know, your career could be over and, you know, you may be out of baseball after two years. So, you know, I transferred to Santa Fe and I had a good year there as well. Um, oddly enough, my goal was to play at Florida State. That was the dream school of mine. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to go there and to Florida. Um, and I chose to go to Florida just because it was a different, um, I had a better chance of playing right away. But, um, you know, when you're in, in that environment where your back's against the wall and you have to produce or your career could be over, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of grin and bear through it. You work a little bit harder because you don't want it to be it. And then, you know, when I got to the university of Florida, I mean, I am playing with the best. I mean, we were the number one team in the country, both years I was there, I was playing with, you know, four kids that are mainstays in major league baseball right now mike zanino's an all-star um anthony disclafani's in the he's been in the rotation for the giants for a long time 
Um, so, you know, when you're playing with those players, the best in the country as kind of, you know, an undersized five ten guy, you got to work a little bit harder. So, um, you know, I think that's just the, the stops I made along the way and the people that I surrounded myself with um, at those stops kind of created the work ethic um, in me. And I think it you get you work a little bit harder every time you move up, you know, from my freshman year at the division two to, to Santa Fe. And then at Florida, I mean, those guys, I mean, there's practice in three, four hours a day, but you know, we were in the cages for an hour before practice, an hour after practice, just the extra work that gets put in. Um, you either do it or you ain't going to be a part of that team. And so, you know, you learn from other people along the way that, Hey, this is how we work hard. And this is kind of what we're going to um, do to make this, make ourselves better and our team better along the way as well. Man, I really appreciate you taking us back through that, that awesome journey of, of having to challenge yourself, but also within that challenge means that you have to put in the work because that's the only way that the job's going to get done. And I had a feeling there was something about, uh, you know, kind of betting on yourself between that freshman year to sophomore year, going back to Juco. And, you know, when, when we do choose to bet on ourselves, which, which we should, we just also have to back it up. And that's a part of where work ethic also comes into play. And if you did not, just like you said, in a sink or swim mentality of yeah. having to produce that year, if you didn't back it up and put in that work, then you wouldn't have uh, you know, the options uh, that you were seeking for yourself. So awesome that it, it paid out and then mm-hmm. translated into that additional experience of just challenging yourself more. And, and like you said, around some people that are playing the game at the highest stage right now, I, I'm sure that continues to fuel the fire of you now being, um, you know, a coach, uh, mm-hmm. how does, how does having done everything you're asking your players to do help you connect with them? Well, I, I think it, it just goes to show that, um, you know, I think kids want to be the best they can, they can possibly be. And, you know, I don't talk about my playing career with our players a lot or the players that I coach um, just because I don't want them to think that, I'm above that or, or whatnot. I use those experiences and those, you know, tools that I learned to pass on to them. You know, I, we talked about in our program um, at Reinhardt, for me, this is my University of Florida. Reinhardt is my University of Florida. I'm not at the University of Florida, but I'm going to treat it like I am. I'm going to recruit like um, I would recruit if I was at the University of Florida. I'm going to put in the extra time with our players like if I was in at the University of Florida. So, you know, I think if if you're willing to make yourself available for those players, they're willing to buy in. And, um, you know, when they see a coach working hard, they're going to want to work hard too. So I know we'll get into that a little bit down the road or a little bit later on. But, you know, that's kind of, you know, just being available for your guys is kind of, you know, how you get that to translate to the players and um, being there for them when they want to put in the extra work. I think that's a great mentality and, and, you know, powerful when, like you said, when they can recognize that, that you, that's the kind of availability that you're making for them to, to challenge them, whatever way they want to challenge themselves. You know, what, what's your personal definition of, of having work ethic? You know, what, what is it to you? Well, I think work ethic is a few things. I mean, the obvious is, you know, I think work ethic is getting your work done when nobody's watching. Um, you know, we only have two hours or three hours of practice every day. And, you know, that's that's really not enough if you're trying to get to where you want to get to and you want to make yourself the best version of of yourself that you can be. It's just with three hours of practice. So I tell those guys to be cage rats. If they want extra ground balls, just ask. If they want me to throw, just ask. And, um, you know, I think the other part of it is, you know, um, doing the work when nobody else wants to do the work. I mean, I think you have to make sacrifices, um, you know, with um, your free time in college, you know, hey, you know, I could stay after for an extra half an hour, 45 minutes and get my 100, 150 swings in, or I could, you know, leave early and do what the rest of the team is doing. But, you know, if you really want to be who you got to be, you're going to have to put in the work um, when nobody's watching and when you don't want to do it. Um, I kind of live by the motto. I don't remember who told me this, but someone told me someone's always working harder than you. Um, So while I was a player, um, that was something that I kind of reminded myself of day in and day out, um, you know, that just made me work a little bit harder. And, you know, I, I would take that into the weight room, into the cage, ground balls. Um, if we were doing four sets of 10, I would do four sets of 11 um, just to, you know, not do what's asked, just do one step a little bit more. You know, if we were taking, 
if I was there to get a hundred swings, I was, you know, getting 101 or a hundred ground balls. I'd take 101 just because I know 99% of players were going to stop um, right there. And, you know, I think little things like that. Um, one, one thing that I carry with me today is trying to get 1% better every day. And, you know, that's both personally and, you know, our team, I think we challenge our team to get 1% better every day. You know, it's hard for, these guys to show up every day at practice. I mean, I call it the dog days of April right now during our college season. And, you know, we're 40 something game. We're almost 40 games into the season and, you know, practice gets tough. It gets monotonous. And I think, you know, I think practices in April are when you win in May. And I think that's, what's going to get, you know, our teams and our players to the next level. It's going to make them separate themselves from the teams that are just on the cusp. And I think, you know, our group of guys is starting to learn that. I think they're starting to, you know, gel and mesh as a team. But um, I think that just, you know, speaks to, you know, their work ethic along the way. And, hey, we don't have to get to the end goal in January. Let's just get 1% better now. And by the time we get to May, we'll be where we want to be. Really glad that you touched on that that simple adage that is really, uh, you know, taking things by fire right now with getting 1% better and I really wish more people would actually adopt it and, and actually see the significance of what it can do because just compounded over time allows right. towards just that much better things to uh, you know to happen for yourself day in and day out and trying to come in the, in the spirit of competition in a numbers game where we're talking about edges and inches you know getting that one percent better like you said is the difference of being able to play those later games and i love the uh the adage right there that you added about uh, practices in april get you playing good for may that's right. that's awesome I, I like that a lot as well um what you know where and at a program that's as good as, as yours and being established and, and moving towards the right direction, you know, where do we tell our players that that work ethic is take, taking them? Well, I think it, it goes, we have to tell them it goes beyond the baseball field because, you know, I'd venture to say, I mean, we have one, maybe two guys that can play at the next level and maybe only one of them is going to get that opportunity. But, you know, just for me, I know I'm working in baseball, but, you know, even, in, in my marriage and in my home life and around the house, like there's stuff that when you get home, you don't want to do. And I think you relate that back to your playing career. I didn't want to do this, but I had to do it. I didn't want to go to class, but I had to, I didn't want to, you know, show up early or stay late. I think, you know, you put in your time from nine to five um, in your job, but then you have to go home and there's still more work to do. I think that can be related back to, you know, practice. Like, I've got to show up to practice from two to five, and then I've got to put in a little bit of extra work. So I think, you know, if you can relate your playing career to your personal life with the players, um, I think it's huge. I think, you know, we read a book um, this fall as a team, just, you know, talking about being a good teammate. It was the hard hat, um, which is a very, a very popular book for teams to read. And, you know, a lot of stuff we talked about wasn't within ourselves or on the field. It was, how am I a better teammate? How am I a better person off the field? And I think, you know, you, you find that athletes and specifically baseball players, they're going to find ways to be leaders when they get off the baseball field. And I, so I think, you know, as we get through, you know, baseball, I think teaching them the leadership skills, the work ethic is going to pay off because they're going to put the extra work in, you know, when they get their jobs or, you know, they're going to be able to, you know, carry their marriage when times are tough or, you know, be able to provide for their family. So I think just, you know, reminding them that, Hey, it's just, it's more than, it's more than just baseball. Like we're teaching you life lessons. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, yeah, coach always said that, but I'm not thinking that in the moment, um, you know, but here I am now at 32 years old and I'm thinking back and be like, yeah, you know, Coach Wiggs, Coach O'Sullivan, those guys were right. You know, I think just reminding those players that, you know, you're going to need these tools, um, you know, when when you go off into um, into the real world. I mean, we talk about sweeping the corners at Reinhardt. Our guys, um, they clean their shoes, their turfs, and their cleats before every game in practice. Is that going to help them go four for four? No, but it just shows that we have – we're paying attention to the little details, you know. So I think if you can just teach those minor – you know, those minor lessons along the way, it kind of rubs off when they leave your program and they head out into the real world. 
That's awesome, man. I got to applaud you guys for taking that, that next step in the process of, of really teaching those life lessons. I mean, I think it's really powerful to read, uh, read a book, bring everybody onto the same page, something that's outside of baseball, but still a part of baseball and just really building the synchronicity of a group. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot that goes towards those directions. And if we can get these guys connecting the game to that bigger picture and, and just beyond the game and what they're working for. I think that's where we really do have a powerful chance to get these kids to dig deep early in their life and, and seeing what they can accomplish. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Um, What's your, what's your, you know, favorite part of that, of that aspect. I mean, of going down the rabbit hole of, you know, helping a player outside of baseball and connecting back to it. Is there, is there a certain area that you enjoy the most? You talked a lot about, um, previously, you know, about blue collar, you know, tell me, tell yeah. me how blue collar connects back to, uh, to liking an athlete's work ethic for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing, just getting them to understand that, um, you know, not that it's, it's obviously it's more than just baseball, but you know, you know, I'm constantly, you know, praying for our guys. Like I, I know these kids are in our program for a reason. And I know, God put them here for a specific reason. Now, I may not know what that reason is, but, you know, he does. And I think, you know, faith is something we talk about a lot in our program. We play before and after practice and before and after games. And, you know, I think if you can show them that you care off the field, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll trust you more on the field and, you know, they'll be willing to do things more, but, you know, the blue collar work ethic, I mean, this is NAI baseball, like a lot of places that we go aren't the division one um, caliber places that we're pretty blessed with the facility that we play in. But, you know, I think guys at our level, they've been overlooked and I think they think they deserve a chance. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of them do, but um, you know, I think that makes them want to work harder. And I think when you have a group of kids that want to work hard, I think that's when you have something special. Um, You know, we'll get into that when we talk about, you know, the traits of programs that I've been in and all of that. But, you know, I think just telling those guys like, Hey, I'm here for you both on and off the field, you know, whether they ever come talk or not, like that's fine. But, um, you know, I think if they can just realize that they're here for a reason, whether for whatever reason, it doesn't mean you're lesser of a player because you're at an NAI than you're at a division one, but you know, if they realize they're here for a reason and they kind of take that bull by the horns, they can make the most of their experience. Um, and they can get the experience that they were hoping for if they went somewhere else. I love it. You gotta, you know, gonna get out what you put into whatever situation you're at. So Jeff, you've been, you know, so many successful teams with great reputations for the talent and work being put in to, to maximize that talent. What common traits do those programs share and what have you gained as a coach and competitor from being at all of them? Um, I think the first thing, I mean, you talk about, you know, programs and how they, they become successful. I think it starts this, that standard is, is modeled by the head coach and the coaching staff being on the same page, Um, you know, and then, you know, from there, I think it goes to the players pushing each other on the field, um, you know, dragging guys to hit, hit extra kind of, seeing that same vision that the coaching staff has and the player, I think the the coaches model the culture that they want, but it's gotta be a player run um, program. We tell our guys, the four of us coaches, we can't be the leaders. If we're leading this team's in trouble, this needs to be a player led um, environment and team. And I think if the coaches can get the players to see the vision that the coaches have for the team, um, I think the players start to run the program and I think it just becomes a whole lot better. Um, you know, I think, you know, making yourself available, always being there for early work, extra ground balls. Um, you know, another thing that I, I, it's just kind of personal for me is I don't ask to play the players to do something I wouldn't do. All our guys have jobs on the field, you know, from raking to screens to turtles and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, from time to time, I'll just say, Hey, Jared, I got third base today, or I'll pull the turtle in and out. And I just don't want them to think this is a, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. So I always try to insert myself into, into their shoes. I know they don't want to clean the field. So, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so I think just not asking 
the players to do something you wouldn't do as a coach goes a long way as well. Um, you know, and I think it's made me just, you know, seeing the other programs and the success that they've had. Um, I think it's, it's made me strive to show up every day, um, you know, offer extra VP, early ground balls, um, stuff like that. You know, I think you got to find ways to motivate, motivate the players to work hard and sometimes just saying, Hey, so-and-so let's go hit, you know, are they going to say yes? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, if you ask a kid that just wants to go hit off the tee, if you can throw to them, they'd probably take the arm over the tee all day long. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's some things I've seen in the programs that I've been in along the way. It's just the coaches were always available, um, you know, for the extra work. And I think, I think that goes a long way because, you know, I've got some desk work to do. That's not fun. And, you know, if a player walks in at 11 o'clock and is like, hey, coach, you want to go hit? I'm not going to say no. Um, so I think, you know, those are the biggest thing. It's got to be modeled by the coach. Um, you know, and I think this that has to be you have to get the players to see the same vision so they can push each other towards that vision. And then, you know, it's just you got to show up. You got to show up every day. There's there's days I don't want to go in. And I know that. But someone's got to bring the energy and someone's got to, you know, sit there and hit fungos and throw BP every day. and you know, I think, you know, when, when you take it and you see it from their point of view, it's, it, it motivates you to, you know, want them to be better and you're willing, willing to do whatever I can to make our players better. So, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about how the programs I've been in have kind of shaped, you know, how I see things now. Well, I love, I love that you talk about that availability from your, your coaches. I think that's got to go a long way. And for you to have seen it from a firsthand experience and now wanting to, you know, at your best model, the positive behavior that you saw of availability, because you knew that, you know, there was things happening in behind their, their scenes that they didn't let affect their team and still made sure to make themselves available and got the rest of their work done. And, uh, you know, at seeing it at a good place, want to make sure that you get that chance to provide that same service to others. Cause you know, it'll go a long way because then they'll pass it along, you know, that same chain of, uh, of building good continuity and, and being a part of a team. Um, you know, was was the culture a strong point, you know, amongst those player led teams? Did What was the culture like of a player led team? I mean, I think they just take ownership in it. You know, they know it's it's about the team. It's about the guy next to me. It's not about, you know, wins and losses are going to be a byproduct of of that culture. But, um, you know, I think when coaches are having to constantly motivate you and push you and do this and do that, I, don't, I think you're going to have a very up and down kind of season but if you can get the players to kind of take that bull by the horns and say hey this is ours let's go get it um you know i think those are the teams that are really special those are the teams that were special um when i was at florida there wasn't a whole lot of coaching that had to go on we understood the standard we understood the expectation then uh, we went from there it was the same in southeastern i mean that team when i was there won the conference tournament for the first time in program history and made an opening round for the first time in program history. They did it two years in a row and there wasn't a whole lot of coaching going on. And then I got to Gwinnett, you know, and it's the same thing. You're, you're coaching in practice and they're just playing the game. And I think that's the kind of the culture that, that you need. These, you just, you have to, you have to let them go. You have to let them be who they're going to be um, and trust that you've taught them well and that they're going to, um, they're going to see the same things that you see and they're going to have the same vision of success that you have. And, you know, the more you can model that and the more that you can um, just let the players go and let them take the team and run with it, I think the better you're going to be. But if you're constantly trying to control um, every player and telling them what to do here, tell them what to do there, um, you kind of take the freedom and their feel for the game out of it. And I think that's when, you know, um, think that's when things don't go as planned you just have to let the players be and um trust that they've they've listened and been coached in practice and the rest will take care of itself i think that's too important to acknowledge that you know the standard was understood you know that you know even if there wasn't a ton of coaching i'm sure it was there in the background but in a way that let the players discover themselves let them be athletes and figure out what they could do um but you know the those those player-led teams still probably had an abundance for res of respect for the people at the top i'd imagine sure. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's not, it's not to say we weren't coaching. I mean, I've coached harder than I've ever coached at the NAI level. And, you know, we're coaching in practice and we're letting him play during the game. We, we, we tell all our guys um, to fail forward and just to make a decision. Just, I don't care what decision you make, make the decision. And then let's talk about it afterwards. Um, you know, and I think when you, when you tell kids you have to do this and you have to do that, that's when they pucker in the moment and they may make the wrong decision. But for me, in my opinion, I don't think our players can make the wrong decision. Um, I just want them to make a decision. I think a lot of kids, you know, when they, when they're worried about making the wrong one is when they make the wrong one. So I think just, just let them be. And um, we can talk about it after, but um, you know, we definitely coach and we coach hard and there's a lot of structure to the way that we coach, but you know, in the game, there's not a whole lot said because if I've got a coach in the game, it means I didn't do my job in practice. So um, we kind of live by that and let those guys go. And, you know, we talk about in-game changes or in-game, you know, strategy and approaches and stuff like that. But, you know, we're not talking mechanics in a swing or a ground ball or this and that. Like, we're letting you go. Jeff, I wanted to ask you a more serious question. You know, what's your purpose? Um, well, I think my purpose is to impact, you know, the young men that I'm around on a daily basis to be, you know, better men and to learn lessons that really only baseball can teach. You know, my person, my purpose is, is Christ driven in that, you know, I'm praying for our kids on a daily basis. I'm letting them know that, um, you know, I'm a firm believer, like I said before, and that God has me around these guys and these guys in our program for a reason. And, you know, I, I hope I find out while they're here. Um, but if I don't, um, you know, just that that seed is planted. And I think, you know, I think if we can find ways to impact these young men through the sport of baseball, um, we're going to make, you know, not only better men, but better teams and, um, you're going to, you're going to have better relationships. So, um, I try to ask my guys questions about, you know, girlfriends and all that kind of stuff and, you know, what's going on with mom and dad at home. And, you know, you can see these kids when they wear emotions on their sleeves. I mean, they're 18 to 22 year olds. They're not very good at hiding stuff when they, even though they think they are. So, um, you know, I think just trying to be involved in these kids' lives as much as you can outside of baseball, um, it's great. I mean, I have kids over to the house every once in a while just to get to know them on a personal level, like just take baseball out of it. Um, you know, and I, I think that's my biggest purpose is, you know, using baseball as an avenue to, you know, get to know these kids and find out, you know, why they were put here. Um, and I think when you coach to that purpose, it, it, it kind of changes the way you see the players and, um, and stuff like that. And I've not been the best at that. I mean, I've only been doing this for eight years. I'm, I'm getting better at it. You know, I've, I've been transactional at times in, in my younger career, you know, trying to find the next job and trying to get paid doing what I'm doing. But um, I always try to remind myself that these guys are here for a reason. And, you know, what is that reason? And, you know, baseball got them here, but that's not the real reason that they're here. And I try to remind myself of that, you know, every time. And I know each kid has their own story of um, life before Reinhardt or whatever program I was in when I had them. And, you know, I think that's important to remember, you know, as a coach that, you know, it's, it's beyond just baseball um, with these kids. And because at the end of the day, most of these kids aren't going to play at the next level. I want to see these guys, um, succeed in life. I want to see them succeed in their marriages, um, with their families, with their jobs and, you know, kind of take those things to the next level. Like, you know, they help take our program to the next level. So important to acknowledge. I appreciate you sharing your, you know, the reason why you're really working towards everything. And, and I do believe, you know, being of service is, you know, so paramount in this process of trying to help these young men, um, you know, just get ahead in life and using this vehicle that we get as baseball, you know, and, and that's just the the avenue we get to serve through is through sport. And it's, it, you know, there's just tremendously, you know, available and abundant life lessons that if we just point to them and acknowledge them through the process, all of these things that we're training for and doing the little things right for are so applicable back into the real world of what right. we're trying to ultimately prepare them for. Um, you know, what's, you know, you've talked about your, your faith being, you know, kind of paramount in your process of connecting back with these guys and, and letting them know that you care about them as, as people more than just athletes, you know, what, what's, um, you know, 
what's your favorite part of being able to make that cor correlation connection? Like, you know, like you said, only being able to do it eight years so far. What, what are you enjoying the most about making these relationships that are, that are bigger than baseball? Well, I think the biggest thing, man, I've only been doing it for eight years, but I still talk to a lot of the players I've had in the past. Um, you know, a lot of it, some of them have gone on to be coaches and it's us talking about players and stuff like that. You know, others is, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. How, you know, what would you, you know, how can I be better with this or how can I be better with that? Um, you know, I think it just, they, they go back to, you know, that time when, um, they were on the team and you may have had a conversation where it had nothing to do with baseball. You know, I had a player ask me this year, like, you know, coach, how do you do with your wife? Like, it's the same person over and over. It's like, you're always excited to talk to her. I'm like, yeah, it's my wife. Like, these are my people. Like he was just, it was just a cool conversation because he was asking about, you know, how you keep things, you know, interesting and stuff like that. And I could tell he was locked in and, and I asked him, I was like, are you having this problem with your girlfriend? He's like, yeah, like she wants me to do this and wants me to do that. And I feel like I do it. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, try this, try that, maybe change it up a little bit, keep things interesting. So I think if you just, you know, use your personal experiences with these kids and you're not afraid to, you know, tell them, um, you know, what you've been through in the past and all that kind of stuff. I think it, it kind of makes them want to open up a little bit more. I think that's my favorite part about it. I think all the kids that, you know, we come in contact with as coaches, um, they've got a past and it could be a good past. It could be a bad past. It's, but that past doesn't matter. And I think if, if they can, you know, hear my story and what I've been through in you know, my 32 years, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that they can relate to, um, in their lives now. And I think, you know, I think God puts us in, he puts us through trials and tribulations along the way so we can help somebody else that comes, you know, that we cross paths with, um, that are going through the same thing. And, you know, I try to face those trials head on and, you know, with, with my support group around me and, you know, knowing one day that I'll get to help somebody else do it. And a lot of times, you know, as coaches, we get the opportunity to, to do that way more um, than the average, you know, nine to five worker, because we're coming in contact with players every day. Um, so, you know, I just, I think God's done a lot for me. And I think if I can share with the players, what I've been through and how I got through it, I think, you know, deep down, you know, they're striving for something bigger. And I think just that, you know, transparency with them, you know, helps along the way. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that aspect of how, you know, that transparency and connection can help these kids understand they're in a vulnerable spot when they're seeking that kind and needing that connection a lot of times for themselves and to be able to come to them with a relevant experience can really help them hopefully attach and see that hey if somebody else made it through the the fire then you yeah. know i can i can make it through as well too and know that you have a, a positive frame there you know and and as somebody that's been through it and gotten to where you got is there an area as a player that you would have improved upon you know how would you have done it better now if you had the chance again well, I look back, I mean, I, I tell everybody, you know, more players ask me that all the time, what would you do differently if you go back? And I tell them, I know a whole lot more now than I did back then. But, um, you know, I think if I could go back and do it over, I'd work harder. Um, when you're in it, you're working hard, you're putting the extra time in. But um, in the moment, it looks like you're working hard. But, you know, looking back and seeing it through a coach's eyes, there's times where I could have worked harder. Um and I think you really don't know how hard you're working until you see it from a coach's eye. Um, you know, and I, and I worked hard. I mean, I, I was getting a hundred swings a day. I was trying to get a hundred ground balls a day, but you know, I think there's always, there was a few places along the way where, you know, I chose, you know, my personal life over the cage or something like that. But, um, I always think there's, there's room to work harder than you're working. Um, you know, whether that's getting an extra lift in, um, going to get some extra swings in. Um, but that's probably the only thing I would have changed. And that's not saying I didn't work hard because I did, but, you know, I look back and be like, well, what if I would have done a little bit more, where would I have gotten, um, you know, and I have no, I have no regrets about my past or, you know, how God, how God got me to where I'm at now. But, um, I just tell, tell our guys all the time, Hey, you just got to work hard. You just got to work hard. You never know when your opportunity is coming. And if you're not ready, 
that opportunity is going to be there and it's going to be gone. Um, so that's probably the only thing I would have changed is as hard as I worked, I probably should have worked a little bit harder um, along the way. Well, I, I think that's awesome to, to have that self-reflection that you knew you had gotten yourself to a, an awesome level, but there was still stuff you left on the table. But now you get to use that knowledge to work a little bit harder here at where you're at. But I'm sure in five years, you'll look and go, hey, I was still leaving stuff on the table. There's still more that I I can do. And so I think that's just the challenge of of trying to compete with ourselves and our own our own best abilities. Um, you know, what are you chasing your own best competition and your own work ethic and, and challenging yourself? You know, are you chasing something for yourself? Um, I, yes, yes and no. Um, I think when I took the job here at Reinhardt, I wanted to be a part of building something special. Um, I think when I was at Southeastern, um, I didn't really have a big hand in recruiting. It was more player development at the time. Um, and then when I got to Georgia Gwinnett under Brad Stromdahl, he turned the recruiting over to me and, you know, the team had a lot of success, but it was easy because the team was already at the top when I got there. And I think the biggest thing I'm chasing now is to try and get to where that program was based off what I was, what I've learned in the past, um, you know, from the people that I've come in contact with. Um, it's not the end all be all to win, but, you know, I want to see these players be the best version of themselves. That way the team can be the best version of itself. And I think um, that's probably the only thing that I'm chasing, I guess. I don't know if chasing is the right word, but, you know, I really want to see Reinhardt be in the top 10 year in and year out, be at the world series, continue or compete for national championships year in year out, because I believe in the vision that our head coach has. Um, and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of building something, you know, bigger than myself. And, you know, I want these players to understand that, Hey, you're, you're just, you're part of the stepping stone to get this team where we're trying to get it to. And, you know, whether that's three years from now, five years from now, or 10 years from now, this program is going to get over the hump. Um, and I, I, I enjoy being a part of that. Um, and I think that's part of why I took, I took this, this position is because I wanted to challenge myself to get a program from, you know, mediocre to excellence. And I think um, being in programs that have been at the top for long periods of time um, help you understand what it takes to get there. And I think that's what coach Burton and myself were trying to get these players to understand. And that's how we're recruiting. We're recruiting different players. Now we're recruiting players that can, that can get us over the hump. So, I mean, I don't know if chasing's the right reason. That's not the only thing that I want um, out of my coaching experience at Reinhardt, but um, I guess that's the challenge that I'm kind of taking on right now um, with the coaching staff and, and the other coaches is we're doing what we can to get this team over the top. We've all got unique backgrounds of, you know, success. And I think how do we mesh those together and then find the players that see the same vision we have and that are the ones that get there. And I think when that does happen, it's going to be super special um, to see. And um, I hope I'm, I hope I'm a part of that. I appreciate you heading that direction with it. That's exactly where I was hoping it would go. I know chasing wasn't necessarily the right phrase, but I mean, you said it the best when, you know, it's just trying to help these kids become the best version, version of themselves. Cause that's how the team becomes the best version of itself. Yeah. When, when we can work, to just find that one opportunity that 25 to 35 young men truly come together in a moment and, and, and do something that's bigger than them or where they all get to do that. Cause that's what every one of our teams has the chance to do. They have a chance to come together as people. And, and if they truly take advantage of that opportunity, they can do some serious fun experiences through sport. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure there's been different avenues of what you've gotten to see that firsthand because you've learned from some great leaders in, in those programs. You've, right. you know, seen hardworking, committed players, you know, but the, the, the people leading and preparing the people are pretty vital in that equation as well. And I know you said they're not always the most coached, but, you know, what has being around those different leaders taught you about how important leadership is to a coaching staff and the team? Well, I think it's, it's imperative. Um, you know, I think, gosh, since I started college, I've been in, 
five, six different programs now. And I would, I would venture to say all of them are, are very, you know, successful. And, you know, I've seen the five leadership styles in every program, you know, authoritarian, delegative, delegative, sorry, transactional, transformational, and participative. And, um, you know, I think you get to see which works best from a team standpoint and which works best from a personal standpoint. Um, so just seeing what does and what doesn't work um, and then finding which one of those you, fits your personality because, you know, I'm not a very authoritarian type of person. Like, I'm just not going to be the one to, you know, put my foot down, like, you have to do this, you have to do that. So I think, um, you know, I think good leaders find ways to use all five leadership styles in, in positive ways. Um, and they know how to, to use each of them to motivate the players to be better. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, as an assistant coach, you know, working my way up to, you know, hopefully be a head coach one day, you get to be in, in programs. I've, I've been lucky enough to be in a lot of successful programs and, you know, it's been done differently in every program. And it just shows, it's shown me that, you know, there's not one way of, you know, getting your program to the top, you know, there's, there's multiple ways. And, you know, I think for me, I get the, the unique experience to take a little bit from, you know, Coach Wiggs at Santa Fe to Sully at Florida to Coach Beck at Southeastern to Brad Stromdahl at Georgia Gwinnett, now Coach Burton at Reinhardt. Like, when I'm a head coach one day, my coaching style is going to be a blend of all five of those guys. And I think, um, you know, that that's important to, to me because I'm still developing my leadership style for when I am in that leadership role um, as a head coach one day, hopefully, if, if that's the plan that's there. But, um, you know, I think that's just a little bit of, you know, it, it is important. Like, it's important to, you know, to lead and to figure out which style is best for you and your team. And that may change from year to year. It may change from player to player. But um, I think just having the awareness of, you know, your surroundings to know what works and doesn't work, um, you know, will just, it, it, it teaches you, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, you know, I think we're learning with today's player that that's constantly changing. So I think if you can change how you lead, it's going to make you not only a better coach, but I think it's going to make your team better as well. I think that's, that's great that you brought up the fact that you've experienced all five of the different, you know, kind of leadership styles for yourself. Yet, um, you know, you get that now luxury of taking those different experiences into your program and your direction of, of what you'd like to help do at Reinhardt. And it's also just awesome that we see that you can learn through different styles. It doesn't have to just be one. And you get that luxury of, of mixing them all up. What, what would you say based upon that experience and knowing these different levels of leadership, what would you say your working definition of leadership is? Um, well, I think my definition of leadership is, you know, I think you have to be able to um, create and inspire a vision for your team, um, for your team and for each individual, because your individuals have to have have goals that they they believe in and they can see. Um, you know, and I think our job as leaders is to motivate and push those towards that vision. Um, so I think that'd be my, my definition of leadership is, you know, I think when you as a, as a coach and as a coaching staff have a vision for your team, you have to make that vision for your team real. And when you can make that vision real, they're going to want to work towards it. If it's only, if it's only a vision for your coaching staff and the players don't believe in it, you're not going to get very far um, because the players have to buy into the vision of the coaching staff and you have to make that the standard for your program. So, um, I mean, I think, you know, that's my definition of leadership is you've got to create you have to create a vision, which I think is easy, but I think inspiring that vision um, is what separates a good leader from an average leader. Um, you know, how are we inspiring our players? How are we getting them to strive for excellence and for greatness and for, um, you know, to be the best that they can be? And I think the good leaders do that. Um, so, yeah. 
No, I think that's a great definition of leadership. I, I, I really, I really, really, I, I loved writing that down of, you know, making the vision real and taking it past just, you know, the words on a paper that says, this is how we're going to act. It's, it's you committing to the same standard of what you're expecting of them. And, also committing to the standard of how you expect them to fail when we make our own inevitable shortcomings to the process. So I, I think that's that's an awesome definition of leadership based upon the experience that you've uh, you've had for yourself. Jeff, when when did you know you wanted to be a part of coaching? Well, oh, I think when I was a junior in college at Florida, um, I got hurt as a junior. We were playing at Vandy and. I dove for a, a bunt that was fouled off and ended up breaking my hand. It slid through Zanino's cleat and I broke my hand. I never really bounced back from it, but um, I knew I wanted to coach, you know, then I, you know, I was, I tried to stay next to the coaches in the dugout. Um, they used to joke at Florida. It's like all of the people that are closest to the coaches are the ones that are always going to get in the game. But, you know, they always would crack jokes that it's Sully and Craig and Brad and Don and then Moyer. And, you know, I just stood around those guys and I started to hear how they talked and, you know, how they thought about the game and how they, you know, did things there. And that really started making me want to coach. So I did that. I mean, wherever they went in the dugout, I went like I was, I knew that I didn't want to be a nine to five guy one day. I wanted to, you know, make my own, um, journey and I wanted to stay in baseball as, uh, as long as I could. So, um, you know, I made it a point to, I didn't play every day as a, as a player at Florida, but you know, if guys showed up for early BP, I remember throwing them BP on the field and, you know, just offering, you know, for them to throw, like, I knew they needed the reps more than I did. I just wanted to be there to help my teammates get better. Um, you know, and I think as a player, you just, you learn to love the game and um, you see what the game does and what it's done for you and the, the doors that it opens for you and the people that you meet. And that's not something that you want to lose. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's just all of that encompasses, you know, why I got into coaching, but, um, you know, I think that's kind of when is, you know, when I was at the university of Florida, um, just once I got hurt kind of, you know, listening and seeing, I love, I love the preparation. Um, I love the details. Um, and I just, I liked how, you know, the coaching staff was preparing us for, um, each game. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And I think I learned a lot at the University of Florida and during my playing career. And I've learned a lot as a coach. And, you know, I think that's my job is to get all the information and knowledge I have about the game out of my head and into the player's head, because, you know, maybe they can take their game to the next level. Maybe that's what makes them a pro player or, you know, what have you. But um, I think that's, that's kind of when I knew I wanted to coach, you know, other than the fact that, I didn't want to sit at a desk all day long. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's it's awesome that you got to have that first hand of experience of of just trying to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, and and just trying to hear the vernacular that's being discussed in the dugout and and thinking like a coach. I could tell you, same thing happened to me. Is uh, you know similarly where you get behind the other side and you start hearing how they talk, and you're like, oh, I guess I never thought about it like that. Yeah, or, exactly. You know how difficult it is to set a three, uh, you know, three lineups in a weekend, and the kids don't understand how you're trying to sparse out playing time and what goes into getting a guy his chance, and you know, it's it's a it's a challenging process. <clears throat> what, um, you know, what did you learn about the, you know, the operational side of, of putting together a baseball team that's been, uh, you know, a little different than you, than you thought about that, but still takes that same kind of required hard work. Um, I think that you kind of have to piece everything together. I think you have to find the players that, you know, fit your, you know, they fit your personality, they fit your sense of humor, they fit, you know, the vision of the team, you know, I think, you know, I think you have to find players that, that are going to be a good representation of where your program wants to go. You're only going to be as good as, as your players are. Um, and your work ethic is only going to be good as, as your players work ethic. And if you're recruiting players with a lot of talent, but not a lot of work ethic, you may have a lot of talent, but you're not going to have the work ethic. And in the end, 
work ethic is, I think, what gets teams over the hump, um, what helps them win their last game. So, you know, I think that that plays into recruiting um, with, you know, finding the right players that fit into your program. Um, they have to fit every aspect of it. We talk about um, in our program, the 10-80-10, you have 10% that are going to do what they want to do. They're not going to be bought into the program. You have the 80% of players that are just going to, you know, do what they got to do to get by. They're going to be say, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, those are, that's what 80% of your guys are going to do. And then you have 10% of your players that are going to, you know, go above and beyond. They're going to, they're going to bleed Navy blue. They're going to do everything they can to make the players around them. And I think, you know, that's huge when it comes to recruiting, we're finding, we're trying to find more players in the 10% than we are in, in the lower 90%. I think, you know, the more players you can find in that top 10%, the better your program is going to be, long-term because you know you may have that 10 percent may turn into 25 but that 25 percent is going to drag the other 75 percent along so um i think it just it, it goes to recruiting and you know what you're looking for in a player i mean we'll take a player with a little less talent that's you know a blue collar hard worker first one there last one to leave type of player because you know those are the players that are successful the ones that want to put in the extra work um so I think it's important to know what you're looking for on the, the quote unquote recruiting trail. Well, I, I think it's, it's real, real paramount that you made that connection of, of finding those people that are going to mesh well with the direction and people that you're even looking around to be around as far as personalities. And, you know, <laughs> you could even do that find those connections and just like you said you're still going to have your 10 80 10 yeah. you're still going to find that balance sheet that that just happens within a group and and so then that kind of leads to my question of you know knowing that we're going to run into those kind of numbers what do you think that biggest challenge is in getting players to meet the standards of a team oh well i was taking notes on the questions you said and i left this one blank because <laughs> i think this is a tough one um you know i think the biggest challenge is getting the players to think about more than themselves, um, which is hard because baseball is such an individualized game. Um, but, you know, I think getting players to, to sacrifice, getting them to want to, um, you know, give themselves up um, in a crucial moment of the game rather than getting the big hit. I think you know, those are the qualities that we're going to look for. But, you know, the biggest challenge is, you know, sometimes these kids deep down don't believe they can be a part of that standard. So I think getting them to understand that, look, you wouldn't be here if we didn't think you couldn't meet the standard of our program. I think you need to think more highly of yourself. So, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, um, more so getting them to understand that they are, worthy of the standard that we're holding them to um you know a lot of guys you know they think well this is just reinhardt you know why do we have these big you know these big old goals but you know we have these big old goals because we want you to think that you can be a part of achieving something greater than you think you could ever achieve and i think you know that's that's the biggest challenge is getting them to see that you know while it may be hard to get there, you can get there. You know, we hope to be part of the blueprint that um, helps them get there. Um, but if we don't get there while they're here, you know, they're taking life lessons with them beyond baseball. Um, you know, so I think it's just, you know, getting them to understand that that they can meet the standards. So a lot of times they, they think they're going to fall short and they think they're going to fail. But, you know, that that's going to happen along the way. And I think if you can, you know, just keep reminding them that, Hey, you're here for this reason. You're, you're, you are the standard that we want. You just have to, to be that person and believe that that's your person. So I think the biggest challenge is just getting them to believe, um, you know, and I think once the team believes there's not much that you can do to stop a team that, that believes that they're the best and that they're going to get to the top. Um, you know, it's just getting, all 35 players to believe that, um, you know, and that you, you get your lumps with that. It comes with some losses. It comes with some tough losses, but you know, you look back on it at the end of the year when all, when everything's said and done and, you know, they can say that, you know, we believed in it and, you know, we met the standard that, that you laid out for us and, 
and we can do it. And I think that's just our job as coaches is to get them to believe that, that they can be, um, and they can meet that standard. Yes, man, it, guys, if, if we don't just take a second and acknowledge that it, whatever we may get out of tonight, whatever we may get out of spending our time here, listening to this, please take away that they are worthy of that standard. You know, you're worthy of holding yourself to that standard that meets not only your own level of excellence, but the level of excellence that the people around you believe that you're capable of doing. And, you know, I think that goes a, a really, really long way, Jeff, in, in this whole process of, like you said, helping these kids believe that they are worthy of that. We Many of us have big dreams, big aspirations, big goals, but we don't have the work ethic and other abilities necessarily back up those those dreams and it's going to take people in our corner encouraging us and holding us accountable to the those standards of excellence so so thank you for making that yeah. you know so so apparent right there with just making sure that they know that they are worthy of that standard yeah and i think that's that's i mean that's that's our job i mean we recruited them for a reason i'm not going to recruit players that I don't think can meet the standard of our program. Um, you know, I just, you know, some kids come from a program where, you know, maybe they weren't the number one guy on that team, but, you know, we want you to be the number one guy on this team. Um, you know, we've got a few players like that on our, in our program now, like you weren't the guy at, at your high school, but you got to be the guy here. You're, you're worthy of us telling you that, you know, it may take a little extra harder work. It may take, you know, you sit in the bench for a couple of games for you to sit back and, and realize that, but you know, we're doing it to hold you accountable because we see, we see more in you than you see in yourself. And I think that's what holds players back um, in any sport is the fact that they think they're only, you know, capable of, you know, reaching a seven or an eight when they, when, me as a coach or a coaching staff think they can reach a 10, you know, I think, what do we have to do to get you to a 10? And are you willing to put in the work to get to a 10? And, um, you know, a lot of times just being confident and believing in yourself, you know, gets you over the hump. I mean, my dad always taught me confidence breeds success. Like you could be average talent, but you could think you're the most, you're the best player on that field. As long as you think that and you're, you're out there competing like it, you're going to be, you're going to stand out. So um, I think that's huge just for players to, to understand that, you know, coaching isn't critiquing it's, it's accountability. It's us wanting to see you achieve your absolute best day in and day out. Jeff, uh, I know we're coming here to the, the close, getting to the nine o'clock hour. Man, I, I really appreciate you taking this time with us here today. Um, before I give you a chance to kind of just uh, say anything else that, that you had and kind of just give you the last word, wanted to uh, encourage everybody to, to take some time and to, to write out some personal work ethic challenges to yourself. What are, what are areas that you know that you theoretically compete in in your life and then write down the things that you need to do to separate at just a 1% better difference of doing a few more reps than somebody else or just building something that's going to help you compound over time with a, with a better work ethic that lets somebody that might take some time off allow you to, to jump into the next position. And uh, again, you know, Jeff, I appreciate you being on here tonight. Uh, you know, anything else that we didn't talk about here or anything that you just really want to, you know, pound home one more time? No, I just think, you know, first off, thanks for the opportunity. I mean, you know, work ethic and, and leadership is something that's important to me. Um, you know, I think it's what separates good players from average players and great players from average players, you know, and I think the same of coaches too. And, you know, I would just, you know, my, my favorite saying along the way is there's somebody out there working harder than you. And I, I said that to myself as a player um, and it motivated me. And now I say that to myself as, you know, a recruiter, I want to be the one, one of the best recruiters at our level in the country. And, you know, I always tell myself, there's always somebody out there that's making a phone call at 901, um, on a Thursday night, or, um, you know, there's somebody out there sending a text message to a kid that they're recruiting. So, you know, just remind yourself that, um, there's somebody out there working harder, um, and use that as motivation to work harder. Um, and then it, it just takes baby steps to get there. I mean, you're, you're not going to get, 
you know, 50% better in one day. You just need to get 1% better. Just get a little bit better than you today than you were yesterday. Do something today that's going to make you a better person than yesterday. Um, and I think the more you can do that day in and day out, the more it's going to make you successful as a player, but the more lessons it's going to teach you along the way for when you're done with baseball, you're going to have all those tools and lessons to look back on, um, you know, in, in your personal life. My, my, my goals change. I mean, I'm not a player anymore. And, you know, I, you know, I, I love the 30 day challenges. I try to, I try to do, I pick one thing every 30 days, um, you know, to, to do for 30 straight days. And that for me, that's how I'm getting 1% better for those 30 days. So, you know, take them as baby steps. You're not going to get to the end result in a day. Um, so, I mean, it's just like your teeth. You don't get a cavity overnight. You get a cavity after 30, 40 days of eating sugar. So it's, it's the same way with, your work ethic. You don't get to be hard nosed and blue collar in one day. It just takes a little bit time after time after time to where you look back and 365 days later, you're the hardest worker on your team and you're the most respected by your players and your coaches. Yep. I appreciate the, uh, the words of wisdom today and you sharing with us your experiences from some high level programs. I'm, I'm rooting for you big time on your, on your you know progress in your coaching career being where you're at now you know you, you might have a uh you know a questionnaire filled out from a 34 34 year old <laughs> former player and uh by the time this uh conversation's done but no i know reinhardt's gonna continue to move up in that awesome awesome neia conference uh and and continue doing things the facilities are there to match it and it sounds like the people that are there that are going to take it to that next place and uh, i wish you continued success in uh, developing young leaders for our communities as as we move forward awesome thanks Kirk. i appreciate uh the kind words and the ability to share if you or anyone else has any questions feel free to to reach out i always respond to emails and um dms so um would love to discuss further if anyone has any other questions, but um, awesome. Kirk, awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Take care, everybody. See you next week.